Hi, I'm Stuart Spinks and welcome to episode 43 of my podcast, Beekeeping Short and Sweet. This week, it's a very brief jobs for December and then some thoughts about Christmas present wish lists. Welcome back to my weekly podcast and this week I'd like to firstly direct you to our new range of microscopes that are now in stock via our website. We've recently become an authorised distributor for Brunel Microscopes and can offer their entire range of products. For any beekeeper who wants to take a look more closely at honeybees, pests and diseases and maybe even check to see where your bees have been foraging by checking out the pollen in your honey... We have a range of microscopes to suit most budgets and lots of information to help guide you through the basics of beekeeping microscopy. I'm also working on an online microscopy course for beekeepers that will give you all the skills and know-how to really push your hobby to the next level. And if you're so inclined to complete the British Beekeeping Association's microscopy assessment. As usual, I'll leave any relevant links in the show notes. I've just been glancing back through some of the many photographs I've taken over the past year, trying to come up with some new images for the various social media streams that I'm active in. The season just seems to have flown past this year, and I'm now thinking ahead to the new season with the usual sense of optimism. I think it's quite a natural feeling that beekeepers have generally, a bit like anglers, and uh, I do a bit of fishing myself, but it's the next season is, is much like the next fishing trip, which will produce the mother load of honey, or the next personal best fish. One of the jobs for this month is to assess the equipment that I have and to plan for repairs, replacements and upgrades. This, of course, is in anticipation of that mother load of honey that I'm anticipating next year. It's really a quiet month for most beekeepers that have just a few beehives, and I suspect most will have treated and fed their bees by now, probably fed them way too much with that kind of just-in-case-I-haven't-given-them-enough mentality. And then, to be doubly sure, they'll have added a large block of fondant really early on top of the crime board to guard against three months of Arctic weather that may or may not turn up. According to one newspaper report I saw recently, we're due for a long, hard winter. Today, actually, it's quite windy and the rain just doesn't want to stop. But that, of course, is matched by other reports saying it's going to be a mild and wet or mild and dry winter. It seems you can pick whatever forecast you want to believe. Ultimately, we're going to get what we get and our bees will, for the most part, deal with it successfully and be ready again next spring for another year of growth and reproduction. And, of course, that will mean swarming. Talking of reproduction, I watched the latest natural history programme narrated by Sir David Attenborough at the weekend. It's called Dynasties, and it's a really good watch. I, I recommend it. But as usual, and like most of the natural history programmes that are around these days, it's all sex and violence. And our honeybees will no doubt go through the same processes as the vast majority of living things on this planet of ours, survival and reproduction. We can, of course, help and affect our bees in both the survival and reproduction stakes, providing additional food stores in the late winter to help boost colony growth, adding frames of drone comb to brood nests to increase the number of drones in a selected colony, and thus bestowing an advantage upon that colony to fight to pass on 
the genes from their queen. But we can also adversely affect our colonies, poor beekeeping husbandry being the number one factor in the death of many, many colonies, particularly over winter. Not adding food to starving colonies, swapping frames between diseased and healthy colonies, splitting weakened colonies in the hope of making an increase. These are just a few of the mistakes that I see beekeepers make and can cause the untimely end of their colonies. But let's not dwell on that today. Let's look forward with a positive attitude to the coming new season. One of the main jobs is the treatment of colonies with oxalic acid through the next month or so, and I'll cover that off in more detail closer to the shortest day, the 21st of December. But I read recently a suggestion that you should open your hive and scrape away any brood you find in the middle of the brood nest prior to treating with oxalic acid in either the trickle or sublimation form. I can think of nothing worse for new beekeepers to attempt, so I would suggest you carry out this treatment without opening the cluster of bees. If it's cold enough for the bees to cluster, it's too cold for a beginner beekeeper to be splitting open frames. If you follow and have followed a regular regime of treatment for your bees, the number of mites in your colony at this time of the year will be generally low, and you risk doing more damage by lowering the cluster temperature in carrying out this inspection than treating now without inspecting and again in spring. More of this in a few weeks, but remember it's also time to add mouse guards and woodpecker protection. December is the month when mice will start to look around for somewhere to overwinter themselves, and if we get a freezing cold snap, woodpeckers will undoubtedly turn to more rewarding targets other than the frozen ground or rotten tree branches. But back to my thoughts on repair, renewal and replacement of hive kit and other equipment. Floors are my main focus this year. I think I need around 40 or 50 new floors to replace old ones and also to add to the growing number of colonies that I intend to add next year. Planning is obviously vital at this time of the year for the coming new season. I'd quite like to make some of my own this year. I have access to a table saw and router and of course I have my woodworking buddy Pete who just happens to be the owner of the table saw and router. It's time to go searching for some plans and cheap timber to have a crack at this project I think but of course I'm not going to be doing it alone because my woodworking skills are really not that good. I'll let you know how I get on and hopefully between Pete and myself we can create some new floors. I have just recently splashed the cash and bought myself some new equipment for the honey room. Earlier this year I bought a Carl Fritz 20 frame electric extractor. It's been absolutely fantastic for me this season. We got through the supers in a much more organised fashion and it saved me so much time. This was coupled together with an uncapping brush that sits above my appy melter. The appy melter is a giant warming cabinet, not unlike a chest freezer. All the cappings go into the appy melter, along with frames that can't be uncapped because they've either granulated or broken, and, and so I've had to cut them out. And the whole lot is warmed, firstly to separate the honey from the wax, which floats on top, and then to melt all of the wax and drain it into buckets for wax exchange. The brush uncapper is really a giant motorised bottle brush, which spins rapidly, and as you hold the cap frame to the brush, it knocks off the cappings 
revealing the honey beneath ready for extraction. It's absolutely brilliant and again has saved me so much time when compared to using the old bread knife technique that I used to employ. And it doesn't matter if the comb hasn't been drawn out completely flat. You can angle the frame into the brush to get to those little deep sections. So the newest kit that I've bought is designed to help me streamline my bottling process. I have a honey churner or creamer, although I'm not sure we're allowed to call it a honey creamer anymore because there's no cream going into it. But anyway, ignoring that, it's a 100 kilogram honey creamer which works by stirring the honey at regular intervals to produce a smooth, soft-set honey. You'll still need to add a seed honey to get the very best results, I'm told, but I'm really looking forward to using it. But it's still in the box. I haven't yet been able to find the time to remove it and get it set up. The other piece of kit is a Swenty bottling machine, and boy am I looking forward to using this bad boy. It connects to the honey tank, and once calibrated, delivers exactly the right amount of honey into the jar every time. No drips, no extra 15 or 20 grams, or God forbid, a shortfall of 20 grams. But the very best bit is that the honey tank I use will no longer be able to drip all over the bench while I'm working and cause a sticky pool to gradually creep over to the full jars of honey, which then need to be individually washed and dried. I've had it happen and it's it's just such a waste of time and it really frustrates. So the problem for me was this. A 100 kilo honey settling tank sounds like a great idea. Lots of honey to jar all in one go. Get the job sorted and then rest up. But the actual process ended up being much more stressful than I'd ever thought. But just to give you a feel of how my honey tank purchases have evolved... This is what's happened. So now I've got several honey tanks and the evolution of my beekeeping and uh, perhaps the stupidity of some of my purchases in some cases have led to me having several of these tanks. I started with a food grade plastic honey settling tank with a plastic tap. It held about 25 pounds of honey which for the beginner is perfect. That is, until the tap starts to work its way loose through constant use. You see, the tap handle works like a kind of guillotine, slicing down through the honey and cutting off the flow at just the right time. But over the months and years of use, it gradually became less of a seal. So with a full bucket, the pressure of honey pushing against it meant honey could gently ooze around the blade and cause drips to fall onto the table and onto the jars. Of course, the drips would fall from either side of the blade, so you could never tell which side to position the jar, and inevitably, I would guess wrong. Honey would drip onto the outside of the jar, I'd grab the jar, get sticky fingers, and smear honey over everything I then touched. The upgrade solution was a 25 kilogram stainless steel honey settling tank with a plastic tap again. This works fine, but again, the weight of honey and the age of the tap means it's now started to leak and drip in exactly the same way as the plastic settling tank. Wanting to jar more honey in one go, I then went to upgrade further to a 100 kilo stainless steel tank, again with a plastic tap. And this was all but useless. The pressure of 100 kilos of honey pushing at the back of the plastic tap meant that I had to secure the locking wing nut each and every time I filled a jar. And that made it painfully slow. I did upgrade to a metal tap and I thought that that would improve matters but the screw thread was different 
So the tap sits on the shelf in the garage with all the other beekeeping impulse purchases that I've made over the years, just gathering dust. Oh, and have you ever tried to lift 100 kilograms of honey in a settling tank? Why, oh why, would I do that, I hear you ask? Well, the honey room has a low ceiling, so when the 100 kilo tank is put on its stand, there's not enough headroom to enable me to fit the bucket stand and pour buckets of honey into it. Talk about not thinking things through. I'm sure I'm not the only idiot beekeeper that's done this kind of thing. Even with the help of Pete, trying to lift 100 kilos is just a non-starter. Anyway, on to the success story. Now I have my 100 kilo honey creaming tank, which is stainless steel, that I can also use for runny honey. It has a food grade pipe which attaches to the Swenty bottling machine, so no more drips. Well, hopefully not. I'm about to set it up and play with it for the very first time and I'm quite excited about that. I've been promising myself that I won't do that until I've washed out the honey room and cleaned all of the kit for the final time this year. The final extraction has already happened and I just need to tidy up now. We'll see if I can hold out to that personal promise over the next week or so. Obviously it's getting close to that time of the year when the Christmas wish list comes out. Think long and hard about the kit you need before starting that list Ross rounds or 50 queen mating nukes might seem like a good idea, but you might just find yourself developing a shelf similar to mine loaded with good-intentioned gifts and purchases. One thing you can never get wrong is beekeeping books. No matter what book you list, you'll probably find something in there to either make you think about your beekeeping or question your beekeeping methods. I have quite a few books now. Some are getting quite dog-eared through use, others still look like new. I have listed a few books I've found interesting on my website under the heading of reading list. It's not a definitive list and I remove and add books as I find more interesting ones to take a look at. One such book that I've recently been reading is Norman Chapman's Pollen Microscopy book. It's a nice large book making it easy to view and turn pages. The pollen drawings are large enough to give a view of some of the finer detail and although not all the plants in it are honeybee specific it's well worth a read. Now is an ideal time to grab a copy or add it to your wish list and join this fascinating part of beekeeping. Winter is a great time to get involved in microscopy and it will help you while away many hours as you patiently wait for spring. As I mentioned earlier, I'm going to launch an online microscopy beekeepers course over the Christmas and New Year period, so do look out for that. It will be designed to get you started and help you make up pollen slides as fast as possible and as you progress through the series, it will build on your new knowledge and skills, ultimately giving you confidence to tackle even the most complex of beekeeping microscopy tasks. But fundamentally, it's designed to sit you down in front of your microscope and put a smile on your face as you look at the slides that you've created. So do look out for that one, and remember all of the equipment you'll need is now available on my website. I'll post full details in the show notes and on my website. Well, that's it for this week. Thanks for hanging around until the end of the podcast, and please do keep the comments coming. I'm Stuart Spinks, and that was beekeeping short and sweet. Sweet.